Hello, chefs. This is Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about social currency in the kitchen. Stay tuned. This episode of Chef's PSA is sponsored by JNR Grills and Smokers. Many of you have heard of JNR Smokers and Grills that typically last for decades. I've had the pleasure of using them for over five years at one of the top restaurants in Austin. They're beautiful. They gave me the control over technique and the smoke-infused flavors I wanted. I'm thrilled to have JNR as a sponsor. Their commitment over the past 50 years speaks for itself. They understand your passion because it fuels them too, barbecue or upscale cuisine. They always help you deliver. They build everything in Texas and ship to all 50 states and over 50 countries. JR, they'll stand with you. They've always stood with me. Go to jrmanufacturing.com to learn more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So before we get started, just a quick update. Last week, I did the Q&A that I do on my Instagram every Sunday, Cigar Sunday Q&A. Shout out to Escobar Cigars. And this week, well, this past week, I should say, I had to type the answers because I couldn't smoke my cigar because it was very cold outside. So I, I'm starting to have to rethink this a little bit as we go into winter and it starts to get cold. There's going to be a lot of weather anomalies that don't make it ideal cigar weather. So Sometimes when it's too cold, it might be just Q&A Sunday with no cigar. Anyway, you know, early on, I used to do the Q&A directly to the podcast. There's, I want to say there's four total episodes. Like I answer your most pondered questions, part one and two. Um, and then I think there was a fall episode where I answer your questions as well. Anyway, you can go back and listen to those. The good thing about those Q&As when I do them on the podcast is I can answer them in a longer format where when I do them on Instagram... It's very short. I think Instagram gives you like 30 seconds to a minute to answer them. And sometimes they're deep questions. I could like some of them I could do a whole podcast on, but the clock is ticking and I got to get my most witty answer out while smoking a cigar, looking at the clock and drinking a old fashioned. So sometimes my answers are a bit brief and also some of the questions are a bit vague. Anyway, if you want me to go back to doing a long format Q&A session on the podcast, let me know. I do get a lot of questions regarding having guests on the podcast. And honestly, right now, that's not something that I intend on doing. You listen to this podcast since episode one to now episode 71, you'll note that I've had exactly zero guests on the podcast. And if I ever do venture out to a guest-centric podcast, I'd love to do Chef Smoking Cigars, Talking Crap podcast, but I need a cigar lounge for that. So if someone wants to invest in getting me a cigar lounge, we could do Chef Smoking Cigars podcast. Anyway, if you want to support the show, go to chefspsa.com, go get the books, Culinary Leadership Fundamentals, which honestly is probably the most important book for all chefs. Then Kitchen Art of War is you know advanced strategy for chefs. Bad Sue, Good Chef is for the new sous chefs. And you know maybe sometimes when you have all these questions that are going through your mind and you don't know who to ask, that's the book that you want. I based that off a lot of the Q&A questions that I get and also questions that I would have when I was a sous chef or that my sous chefs used to ask me. Line Cook Survival Manual, which I think is the book that line cooks and new cooks need, as well as How Not to Be the Biggest Idiot in the Kitchen, which not everyone needs that. 
It's more of a joke book. There's some practical advice in there too, but it's a lot of jokes. Now the topic at hand, social currency in the kitchen. First, we should probably explain what social currency is. Social currency is like money. Money is currency. Social currency is your value that you bring to social settings. The kitchen being the social setting that we're discussing right now. Someone asked me the other day if I could explain what it's like for new cooks to navigate in the kitchen. Now, there's a lot that they don't tell you in culinary school, and there's a lot that you figure out once you get into the kitchen. And I think the transition for some people can be shocking, especially if you're coming right out of high school and going into culinary school, or if you're skipping culinary school and going straight from high school into a restaurant job. And what you quickly find out is no matter what your social status was in high school, or if you're a career changer in the previous job, it is completely null and void when you step into a kitchen. Now, I don't want people to misconstrue what I'm saying. I think there should be a baseline of respect in all kitchens. Everyone should be treated with dignity and respect. I think kindness goes a long way. I think chefs need to do a better job at respecting people up and down the hierarchy. And not, not and when I say chefs, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm painting a picture that all chefs don't do that, but a lot of chefs do. I'm just saying in general, the stigma that the industry has is that chefs are egotistical and tyrannical. And that's not the case with everything. As I've said before, there's good people and there's bad people. And some of those good people and bad people happen to become chefs. It doesn't mean that chefs attract bad people. It's just, there's just kind of a mix of people out there in the world. So I want to establish that first and foremost, there should be a, a baseline of respect throughout all kitchens. But when we're talking about social currency and you're new to the industry, you might quickly discover that the social currency that you had in your previous industry, school, college, whatever the case may be, is null and void when you step into the kitchen. And why is that? Because the only thing that really matters when you're in the kitchen is can you cook and how do you work the line and are you responsible and do you show up when I need you? Do you help out the team? Do you clean? Do you work efficiently? Do you cause me problems? Social currency in the kitchen is how you work with others. The better you are in the kitchen, the more social currency you have. This is what gets people promoted. When you're building a team, someone that has a high social currency, meaning their high culinary ability, their ability to work, that's someone that you call when you're a chef and you're looking for someone, if you know them, if you work with them in the past. But a lot of new cooks sometimes have a hard time adjusting to that because in high school or college or whatever the case may be, maybe you're coming from a different industry. The social currency might be the kind of car you drive, what neighborhood you came from, what city you're from, how much money your parents have, who your boyfriend is, who your girlfriend is, who your significant other is, who your circle of friends are. None of that matters in the kitchen because none of that can help you when the line is busy. When the line is busy, it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. And the person who's in need of your help and needs you to perform could care less what kind of car you drive when the shit hits the fan. You have to think about that. Like you're weeded, thousand tickets. The person next to you is going down and then you're like, boy, I wish you had a better car and maybe we wouldn't be weeded. No one, no one says that. Social currency is ability. Now I'm recording this on Halloween, 2023, and I have a slang word that I use and I call it a Halloween ninja. These are things that I throw around in the kitchen. It's in the culinary dictionary, by the way, you can get it at chefspsa.com. It is free, but the term Halloween ninja means this. A Halloween ninja is someone in the kitchen who looks the part, but is just plain dress up. Much like a little kid on Halloween, they dress up like a ninja, they got the uniform, they got the plastic sword, they got the fake throwing stars, but they're a little kid, they're not real ninjas. And it's a plastic sword and there's no threat. 
Well, the same thing happens in kitchens. We have Halloween ninjas, the type that look the part. They get the most expensive apron, the most expensive knives that they don't know how to use. They can talk the talk, but they cannot walk the walk. And the walk is much more important than the talk in the kitchen. It doesn't matter how many culinary terms you know, get the culinary dictionary. What matters more is can you execute on those terms? I could care less if you have a large vocabulary if you can't make any of it. I'd prefer the person that has zero culinary vocabulary but can execute everything in the dictionary. So it matters not what you look like, what you're wearing. It matters how you perform. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, I'll be the first one to say I'm a sucker for a nice apron. I like the Brigard blue aprons. I like fancy, expensive Japanese knives. But I wouldn't advise someone who's new in the industry to come in to a new kitchen and think that just because you have expensive knives and fancy aprons that that is going to give you social currency. It's not. What's going to give you that social credit is your ability to perform on the line. How fast do you work? How precise are your knife cuts? Do you know how to braise properly? Can you make stocks and sauces? Do you show up on time? That's your social currency. And in a lot of kitchens, there's always that one person that is higher level than everyone else. You know, they're, they're, just, they're just more soigné. They have more finesse in what they're doing. And everyone always looks up to that person and they want to be like them. I, I call that kitchen karate. You know, the way that they move in the kitchen with precision. You know, they turn around and they have a palette knife that just puts the foie gras torchon on the plate, or they baste the scallops just perfectly. They don't tremble. Their movements all seem calculated. They're going to put a pan down and it goes directly on the trivet without having to think. They don't even, they don't even have to look. They just know where it goes. I call that kitchen karate. Some people call it the dance, but it's like you want your black belt in kitchen karate to be precise. Having a black belt in kitchen karate is high level social currency. So now let's talk if you have zero skills. Let's say you are new to the kitchen. You're just out of culinary school or it's your first job and everyone in the kitchen is good and there are levels above you. As I like to say, they speak three languages and you barely speak one. What can you do to build that social currency in the kitchen? Well, if you're lacking in the culinary skills, there's other things that you could do that would help you stand out in a positive way. The first thing is to be respectful in the kitchen. Be respectful to everybody. Let's start there. Then I would say work at the same pace as everyone else in the kitchen. There's a certain cadence that every kitchen has. If everyone's hustling, you hustle. If everyone's moving to a certain beat, you move to that same beat. It doesn't mean that you have to know the recipes, but you just got to pay attention. Use your eyes and see how quickly people are moving. You might not know the recipes, but you can have sense of urgency in your movements. The next thing I will say is work clean. Cleanliness is appreciated in every single kitchen that I know. There's not a chef out there that I know that doesn't like clean cooks. Everyone likes clean cook. No one ever is going to tell you, hey, you need to work dirtier. It's the exact opposite. Then it's being responsible. That means showing up on time, being where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. 
Responsible also means having a notebook and taking good notes when you're given directions. If they're giving you a recipe, write it down. The worst pen is better than the best memory is the expression. And it's just an expression. I don't want someone freaking out and saying, the worst pen doesn't work, it's broken. Okay, it's, it's an expression. Anyway, we digress. For the person that was gonna call me out on that expression, there you go, you're right. But the lesson is, write it down. No chef likes to give you directions and then you come back every five minutes and say, what's next chef, I forgot. Write it down. It's one of the most important tools that you could have is a pen and a notebook. The other thing is ask questions, but know when to be quiet. And this is a balancing act. You don't wanna be the cook that has a thousand questions at the wrong time, meaning there's a rail of tickets, everyone's head down, go, go, go. And you're trying to find out what's the recipe for this? Can you tell me how to do that? And you wanna have a conversation with these cooks. It's like social awareness. You see everyone's head down, quiet. You also be quiet, put your head down and start working. But when the time is right, ask questions and write down the answers and try to avoid asking the same questions twice unless you need someone to expand on it. And the reason I bring that up is because when you ask the same question over and over again, people will get tired of telling you because they think you're not paying attention. The next is don't be afraid of the hard work. The hard work is going to come in every kitchen that you go to. There, there's hard work in terms of you're on your feet all day. It's stressful. Or there's also hard work in terms of someone has to clean the cooler or the freezer or someone has to work the grill station. If you're new in the kitchen, you might not be prepared to work the harder stations, but you are prepared to organize a cooler. And again, if you're trying to get social currency and social credit in the kitchen, the person who cleans the cooler is beloved in everyone's eyes. And then the last thing I'll say is, and only if you're working in the type of place that serves a family meal, be the person that brings the cooks and the team water. That goes a long way. I think that's very underrated. Everyone's hot. They just got slammed. They're thirsty. They're on their feet all day. It's a kitchen. And here you come with waters for all the cooks. That goes a long way. Social credit, right? Some people call it the emotional bank account. You're depositing money in the emotional bank account with others. And then, of course, family meal. Cook for people. I think what's interesting about family meal in a lot of places is it doesn't necessarily have to be like super high-end food. A lot of times, family meal is they just want something comforting. And depending on where you're from, you might want to make something from your home, something that you grew up eating, something from your town, a regional dish. This goes a long way because you know what it is. It's nourishing, it's comforting, and people could taste when food is cooked with love, as they say. So if you don't have the culinary skills, those are some things that you could do to start to get the social credit in your kitchen. But with all that being said, the fastest way to get social credit in the kitchen is to be good. Be fucking good on the line. Be good with a knife. The person who knows how to cook walks on water a lot of times assuming that they're not a big jerk. Now, in the chef community, this is something else that I think people think about. And I've touched on this. A lot of people talk about the operation. And in the operation, the social credit might not be where you're at the way that you cook, because maybe you work in a place that's very management-driven. Maybe where you're at, it's all about the paperwork and making sure the food cost is in line and turning in inventory and answering emails and showing up to meetings. And so where you're at, the social currency with other departments and other people that work with you is managerial and administrative. It's important that you recognize that, but it's also important to recognize that in the culinary community, you can't be standing around a group of chefs and think that you're going to be invited to the food and the winemaker dinners and the private chef Illuminati meetings because you run a good food cost and you answer your emails. That's where your social currency comes in is you need to be a good cook. Because outside of your four walls, they might not give a shit what your food cost is. As I often say, no one remembers the person who answered all their emails and ran a great food cost. Reputation is made 
with the food that you create, the people that you help mentor, how you impact how people eat, and how you impact food systems in your community. That's where the legacy is. So anyway, start developing your social currency in your own kitchen, and you'll see how many more doors open for you. For the person that's questioning why they haven't been promoted or why you keep getting passed over, ask yourself that question. Are you doing those things that we talked about and still getting passed over? Now, if you are, then you probably need to leave. But chances are you're not doing everything that you can do to get promoted. So anyway, if you want to support the show, you know what to do. Go to chefspsa.com. You can get all the books, Culinary Leadership Fundamentals, Bad Sue, Good Chef, Kitchen Art of War, Line Cook Survival Manual, How Not to Be the Biggest Idiot in the Kitchen, as well as the free eBooks, Food Cost Mastery, Critical Path to Opening Up a Restaurant, Culinary Terms Dictionary, 100 Basic Recipes. You got merch, Happy Cook Hat, Sucker Free Kitchens Hoodie. We'll see you next week. Hit the porno music. 